0: Blob Talk Radio six, 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 six. Bubba's got a girlfriend Bubba's so got a girlfriend Bubba's
1: so got a girlfriend Bubba's so got a girlfriend Bubba's so got a girlfriend
0: Bubba's so got a girlfriend Bubba's so got a girlfriend Jimmy Walker David Mendenhall Herbert Long And Bonzo Bonzo?
1: Yeah, I mean him Bonzo
2: Break. For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite, open only to the world's most evil warriors. Six, six, six. making a perverted proposal to me, mister. Me.
1: Me, make a pass at a cop. Me, make a pass at a goddamn ugly, fat, fat, cop. A goddamn ugly, fat,
3: mail male comp. Six. 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 Oh, hello everybody, and welcome to Six Degrees of Retro, Episode Ten here at BlogTalkRadio.com slash GRR on the Greg Reifsteck Radio Network. I'm your host, Greg Reifestek, and boy, wasn't that a great intro? <laughs> you gotta really, really enjoy the beautiful, twisted, cinematic sounds of the movies of Canon Pictures. Uh, last week, I want to thank the thousands of listeners for listening to us and the Golan Globus Awards, and um, this week we are actually going to delve into the genius of Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus and their reign of awesomeness, cinematic awesomeness during the 80s and 90s. We're going to do a what-the-fuck tribute. These two guys made the most what-the-fuck moments in cinematic history, I think more than Ed Wood, more than any other uh, producing team that has existed. Um, If you are first listening to our show uh, for the first time, This is a show where we have two retro experts do six degrees of retro knowledge, basically trying to link six films together by producers, directors, um, stars of the film. And you, the listener, get to enjoy all kinds of retro knowledge, get to Google these things and go, how the hell do these two people know all these things? Well, we just do. (laughs) been an interesting life of watching movies, and you get to benefit and get to uh, celebrate and enjoy them uh, with us, and uh, without any uh, more delay, let's get my co-host on the line, Video And Are you there? I'm here. How are you doing this fine Sunday?
4: It's a beautiful day in Portland, and I'm spending it doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Wonderful! That's wonderful. I'm, I'm, um, did you enjoy the hell out of that intro or what?
4: Oh, I was just giggling away here. It was—it just made me so happy.
3: Yeah, I mean, just when you when. It, let's just get started by just basically um, saying how we both came across Canon Films. Um, I'll start just by saying that I was 15 years old. My father was going to night school at Oakton College in Chicago, and they had copies of Variety, and I, you know, wanted to be the next Roger Ebert, so I was reading Variety, and I one of the first issues I read was the AFM issue, the um, American uh, Film Market, and there were these ads for movies, you know, full-page ads, double, you know, page ads. For these movies and a lot of them were canon films and i was just like what the hell are all these weird movies and strange casting choices and genres all over the place and they were just selling all these films and i realized after um a little research i'd been watching canon films since 1980 my first film it turns out was uh sneaking to uh um, watch actually it was in 83. I didn't catch it till, uh, the happy hooker goes to Hollywood with <laughs> <Julia> Crystal, 13 <laughs> year old Greg screwing around on what was called the spectrum channel in Chicago, uh, where I grew up and, uh, you know, catching a little TNA of Sil- Sil- the, the very, very beautiful Sylvia Crystal. And I was like, wow, these guys produce some really twisted stuff. I'm going to have to check out more of their stuff. So, um, That was it. How were you – Trista Perez, by the way, um, is the video vixen. How did you uh, come across Canon Films?
4: You know, I don't remember the first – the very first Canon Films uh, production I ever watched. But I do remember, like, all of a sudden realizing, hey, every time I see this logo – it's a movie that I really enjoy, you know, or it's this is going to be really strange, or this is going to be a crazy movie. Um, I think one of the earliest ones I can remember seeing that really had an effect on me was probably The Godsend. Because uh, that movie I, I, just, I, 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 yeah, it just freaked me out so much, and uh, I loved it. And then I, I think that kind of started me on the road to, like, I need to actively seek out these movies, not let them just happen to me whenever. But if I see that it's a Canon Films you know, movie, I need to, like, go and get it or go and watch it for sure.
3: Oh, definitely. When you uh, were watching cable and all of a sudden that, that logo would come up, you definitely were on uh, I notice <laughs> –
4: <laughs> so yeah, you. you were in for a treat of some kind. Yeah,
3: yeah when I um I ended up uh, coming out to Los Angeles through uh, Columbia College Chicago, and I took a semester in L.A. class out here, and it was five weeks of basically um, just from all the different fields coming in and teach giving us a crash course in Hollywood. And Henry Bollinger, um, he was the head of the Publicist Guild at the time. And uh, strangely enough, also Bob Barker's publicist, which is a total strange reference. But he, he, his first job was being head publicist of Canon Pictures. And as soon as wow. he said that, I'm like, oh, my God. And I <laughs> instantly, instantly took him to lunch afterward and had to pick his brain um, about it all. What he told us in the class was the way Canon worked was basically uh, – he, 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 sa- he was given all these movie posters and these log lines and you know, go publicize this film. And he's like, well, where is the script? And they're like, we don't have scripts. <laughs> <laughs> we, well, they would, he said they would cast the star, sometimes not even have the star signed. Sometimes they'd create the poster to sucker the star of the film into actually signing to do the film with them. And they'd be selling the movie at American Film Market under complete false pre, uh, false pretenses or at Cannes, selling them under complete false pretenses, like, yeah, sure, we have Stallone for this movie, and he had never signed. And they'd get up all the capital and then use that money to pay Sly to be in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sneaky bastard. They were, they were characters. But, and that's why the plot lines of these movies were just so messed up. They were, you know, written it, it, written on the on the fly. Sometimes not even written till you know the day before the film was supposed to shoot, um, and just crazy situations. But I mean, for unfortunately, unfor- we did. There were some good films, and we're going to talk about a few um, films that actually, you know, were of uh, reasonable quality. They were still messed up, but they. Uh, were actually prestige films and every once in a while they'd win an award with one or something didn't you uh to me and glee that uh canon actually won an academy award for something
4: yeah um they'd actually won a couple and now it is escaping me what movie it was but i was still just shocked that that had even happened <laughs>
3: yeah I bet they, they were shocked too, yeah I, well, actually, in their mind, they thought they were making academy award winning films. That's the difference uh, and in their mind they and there there was never a a set release schedule if you if you um just go on um Wikipedia and you type in a list of canon films, there's no rhyme or reason to their release schedule. There was like a christmas movie there was uh, there wasn't like a summer film. The movies would get made, and when they were finished, they'd go, Oh, time to release the film. <laughs> that was it. So you'd have these clumps of like strange films just coming out all over the place from them all throughout the 80s, which was their heyday. And it was just, 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 just crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, the other thing they liked to do was jump on trends. We'll talk about that breakdancing and certain horror. Uh, Horror genres—they would just jump on a trend like crazy and just just ride it to the end. Um, and then what we'll get to when we're talking about them is they had uh, basically the same. They had their uh, group of directors that they worked with. A lot of studios do this now, where the uh, same directors, you had like um, the same producers, the same writers. And so you had these, uh, the same flavor, sometimes not the best flavor, to their movies. <laughs> um, uh, well, let's, uh, let's jump right in, and I will actually uh, let you start, because uh, uh, having watched uh, the Happy Hooker Goes Hollywood, this film kind of just fits right into their, um, their sex genre, let's say. All right.
4: Well, I'm going to start my Canon Films list with uh, The Last American Virgin from 1982. And uh, I think this is the film that broke many teenagers' hearts because it was probably the most realistic movie about, um, you know, what it's like to fall in love for the first time, like really fall in love with somebody. And you just realize that you know John Hughes is full of shit, depending on when you watch this movie. If you saw it before you watched all the big John Hughes hits, then you already knew he was full of shit. If you watched it afterwards, then you
3: really got angry because you know this movie is pretty realistic what's What's the basic plot line on this one?
4: So this, uh, this film uh, stars uh, Lawrence Monison as Gary, and he's, you know, just hanging with his two best friends, and it's all about, you know, they're typical teenage boys. They're all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and um, two of the guys, Gary and his friend Rick, fall in love with the same girl, uh, played by Diane Franklin, and she just looks gorgeous, In this movie uh, as usual and unfortunately uh, Gary gets his heart broken by his love interest it just goes way wrong and it's really sad and this movie teaches you that when you pay for the girl you love to have an abortion because she got knocked up by your best friend She's gonna dump you and just go off with your best friend anyway, and you're gonna end up driving off in your car crying and brokenhearted.
3: Yeah. I think that's real. <laughs> the <laughs> film got ske- skewered by critics when it came out and it was because it wasn't the uh it wasn't the John Hughes film. It wasn't the happy go lucky, okay, we're all gonna get laid and then we're gonna get laid and everybody's gonna you know, at the end there's a big party scene and yay, you know, we're teenagers and life is awesome. You're absolutely right. This was um it was a downer of a movie. It has it has the, well, like it has an anti ending to it basically.
4: And it I mean, it totally sucker punches you, which is part of, I'm sure, why critics hated it, because you are pretty much led to believe this is going to be your typical teen sex comedy and you're going along and all the kind of usual things happen that you'd see. And then all of a sudden it just takes this really dark turn and all of a sudden you're crying.
3: Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's dark. It's a dark movie. It, it, it's, um, it, it's, yeah, it's really, really realistic. And, um, I, I think, um, I mean, this was like a total, uh passion project for, uh, Um, uh, uh, for both of the producers, uh, especially um, Golan, and it was basically, uh, I think it was based on a true story of his. You know, it was was a really personal movie to him, just like the John Hughes films are personal to John Hughes, but John Hughes apparently had a much happier uh, childhood growing up in Chicago. (laughs) as opposed to the uh, rough and tumble Middle Eastern uh, upbringing apparently of uh of Manahem Golan. But what we Well, do I do know
4: that um like this is a remake of the movie Lemon Popsicle. Yeah.
5: Um
4: and it's pretty it's very true to the original movie. Um uh, and if I urge anybody who if, if you haven't seen Lemon Popsicle to uh definitely check that out. And if you haven't seen either one of these, you should watch both because it's it's a great comparison. Um, even though uh, I, Lemon Popsicle is uh, an Israeli movie, um, you see that there isn't much difference in the way things happen to teenagers. You know, you you don't see, uh, you know, a cultural divide. You actually see that. Wow this is how it is when you're this age and, you know, these events come together and, you know, this is just, you know, it's, it's natural. It's normal.
3: Definitely. I
4: I would say John Hughes's films are very unnatural because you don't always get the girl or the the guy that you want.
3: Do Do you mean I can create Kelly LeBrock in my, in my lab at home? Is that what you're telling me?
4: I would urge you to try. Because that would be awesome. (laughs) It doesn't hurt to try. You know, you could try and fail. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, you're not going to get
3: Jake Ryan. If I can get uh, Diane Franklin, create her, that'd be fine, too. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Ms. Franklin is lovely. I got to run into her at a screening of Better Off Dead here in Uh, in LA at the Egyptian they had a few years ago at Beyond Fest and she just owns this film and she owns all of her genre films she's one of those actresses that's just smart and just embraces her career and isn't ashamed of any film. yeah I did nudity and I looked hot and you know (laughs) I had a blast I had a blast making these movies and um, yeah she'll just like talk your ear off about them. she has a fantastic Instagram feed and she's just amazing um what we do get on a on a happy note is to listen to a shitload of amazing songs in this movie this is one of those movies as we talked about last week um, on our awards show that they would they listed in the trailer that we're going to play that you found um they don't have a whole lot of dialogue in the trailer it's wall-to-wall music and basically plugging the fact that you're going to come to the theater and see all this awesome, awesome music. Of course, they don't want to tell you that you're going to see a movie about a girl getting knocked up, having to get an abortion, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Yeah. It's not a big date night movie, you know, for you to take your girlfriend to, hey, babe, I got this great film for us to see, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have a feeling a lot of guys did not get laid after The Last American Virgin and maybe remained a virgin after this film. I I think it might have been uh, responsible for a lot of blue balls personally, don't you think? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
4: I Uh, wonder, uh, is this this soundtrack uh, available? I was just thinking Uh, about it. I don't own it, and it's pretty fucking amazing.
3: I have a feeling somebody, if it isn't available anymore and it's rare that somebody has definitely made a Spotify playlist about it, <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> I've realized that from uh, The Secret of My Success, one of my favorite romantic comedies, you can't find that soundtrack anywhere, it's out of print, but um, minus two songs on it, you can somebody made a Spotify playlist and I was like, oh, okay, I don't need to get it now, we live in the digital world. Um, awesome. Let's, yeah, let's play this trailer and, and enjoy some uh, '80s jams.
2: And now let's all get serious.
1: Hi. Let's be Shake it up. Now you
2: two have fun.
0: American Virgin, featuring songs by Blondie, The Cars, Devo, Journey, The Police, Sh- Areo, Speedwagon, Tommy Tutone, Sh- and more. The Sh- Last American Virgin. See it or be
2: it. Shake it up. Yeah. Shake it up.
3: And what you can't see by hearing the trailer is what it flashes on screen before then. Twenty-nine huge hits. <laughs> 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 We're gonna squeeze twenty nine of them into this damn movie, and you're gonna listen to every single one of them yeah um well the yeah. the soundtrack is
4: kind of a comfort after you know you've just been put through this emotional roller coaster, but at least you know the music is consistently good, and you can you know kind of just if it's too depressing for you, just think about all the great music you heard,
3: definitely, definitely. Speaking of emotional roller coasters, that's a good segue into my first uh, degree of uh, canon films, and the film Runaway Train, 1985. Most of my films, some reason, fell around 1984, 1985. I think that was because I was at a pretty impressionable age, but um, the movie Runaway Train, directed by Andrei Konchalovsky, stars John Voight, and this film is... uh, Super, super, a, a big emotional roller coaster, hardcore. It takes place in a prison in Alaska. And basically, John Voight's character, Manny, is a hardcore uh, convict and a bank grabber. He's going to be in there forever. And he just keeps screwing up, and they keep putting him in solitary. Well, um, one time after he gets out of solitary, uh, he almost gets uh, uh, shivved and killed. Um, at the order, basically, of the warden. He puts a hit out on him because he's sick and tired of dealing with him. And, uh, John White ends up tag-teaming with, uh, uh, another convict named Buck, who's a boxer, and, uh, ends up, uh, they esci- escape the prison, got into the freezing cold, and then end up jumping a train out there in the tundra. Well, Canon film, even though it's... Yeah, this all sounds really plausible. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it gets even better. They get on the train, and lo and behold, the uh, elderly engineer has a heart attack. Yep, there is nobody driving this train. And then because there's nobody driving the train, they end up hitting a caboose on some siding. That th- and uh, that ends up screwing the uh, brakes up, so they really can't stop the train. So they're on this like insane trip. Um, and, and, and the reason it's an emotional roller coaster is um, everybody close your ears on the spoiler alert on this. Um, basically, um, they're, they're on a, uh, Manny doesn't care if he lives or dies, and this has one of the most dramatic endings of a film and it just like shocked me when I saw this when I was 15 uh the warden ends up uh helicoptering above the train and getting onto the train on a ladder and like I'm gonna take you in you know stop the train blah 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 and uh Manny's like nope and uh gets on goes around the side of the uh, train gets into the front engine and uncouples it and just r- r- rides the top of it, standing with his arms outstretched to his death into the, into the white unknown. And you're just like, wow. And that's <laughs> the end of the movie. And you're just like, holy shit. Talk about what-the-fuck moments. You're like, okay. And he like gives this great speech that I won't blow, that I would, would never do justice to. But you have to see the movie to get the payoff speech, and he just gives this great little speech to the warden, like, you know, I'm free, hell with you uh, yeah, basically the warden's like, "You're not free, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm free you know I'm, I'm I'm away from you i'm I'm away from prison, you know, I'm away from myself, and uh it's a deep ass um have you seen this one? uh
4: you know what I haven't, and um this is one of the pictures that they made, that actually was – this is one of the ones that won, right? Uh, well, it was nominated for three yeah, Oscars. Definitely
3: nominated, yeah, yeah. It's got a huge critical acclaim. They, they, um, the trailer just like has reviews all over the place. This is one that they got on the film festival circuit early. They were smart and actually got a hold of a piece of gold <laughs> – a piece of uh, a piece of uh, shinola in the shit, so to speak. Uh
4: so. <laughs> Yeah, um I haven't seen it but it's definitely on my list to watch. It's got a lot of my favorite people in it. You know, John Boyton, Eric Roberts, um, and also my favorite token black guy uh TK Carter, I try to catch every movie he's in cuz he was representing for us back in the 80s. So, uh you know, I try to watch everything that he does. And of course, you know, Rebecca De Mornay who um
3: is you know, one of the most
4: gorgeous women ever
3: who is made extremely ungorgeous in this film on purpose. She's Really? Uh, oh yeah, she plays a um uh a worker on the train that they find on there. And she kind of has, like, the thankless role in the film. But, yeah, she's, like, all greased up and you can barely recognize her. She was, you know, just just all, looked looked all rough in the movie. Uh, And I think she did it on purpose. She was sick and tired of doing, like, Slugger's Wife and all of these happy-ass movies. And she finally got to put her chops into something uh, pretty She wanted to be a little
4: gritty for a change.
3: Yeah, yeah. uh, speak, speaking of uh, brothers, you got uh, uh, also have Tiny Lister in this movie in the prison in a few good scenes. Also, yeah.
4: nice.
3: Uh, always love seeing Tony in in a few films. A nice guy. Uh, let's uh, play the trailer for Runaway Train.
1: First they got.
0: Then the warden. Then my God. And the dogs out there in the kennel. And finally you! Pieces of human weight!
2: I'm going. You coming? The most startling journey you'll ever take. Don't kill. Them. Let me do it. Has just begun. Now, oh, man, we're free. We
0: make a hell of a team, don't we, man?
2: don't oh, know nothing from nothing. Being round me is really stupid. I'm the war with the world everybody in it. I don't know what
0: happened, but there's no engineer on this train. There's nobody on this train but I. The brake shoes have burned on. The overspeed control must have gotten screwed up. And the engineers do not just cook. You want to be a tough guy? You want to be a legend? Go back! Sucker, come on! <laughs> you want it shoot me? Shoot me. Shoot the kid! Why don't have no shot I take it be. Good guy. Tell me you. me
1: take. That I go. Save me card. So they
2: get. That stake is
0: their spirit, their freedom and their lives. John Voight, Eric Roberts. Rebecca De Mornay, Runaway Train, a film by Andrei Konchalovsky.
3: It's Eric Roberts. Everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got an Eric Roberts movie. Oh. Oh yeah. Uh, fantastic. I um, side note, just it was uh, so great. I got to see um, the movie The Ambulance. With him in it recently at the Egyptian when they had uh, Larry Cohen there with his uh, movies, oh, you've seen that one, right? The, the ambulance.
4: Um, I don't think
3: I saw that one. Oh, put that on your list too. <laughs> Everybody,
4: it it has to be if
3: Eric Roberts is in it. I'm pretty sure it's on my list. And directed by Larry Cohen, it's a, it's a Larry Cohen low budget masterpiece of a a, a runaway ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> He likes being in runaway films. Eric Roberts, ladies and gentlemen, a, a, a true uh sealess treasure uh, of an actor. Uh, let's go on to your second degree of canon films.
4: Well, uh, I'm connecting through uh, director Boaz Davidson uh, to my next movie, which is Going Bananas from 1987. And I'm just gonna sigh right now uh, before I get started, 'cause <laughs> this one I don't think it was ever released in the theaters. I went, I think it went straight to video, and it's terrible. It's uh, it's about this kid who's the son of a, a senator, and Dom DeLuise plays his guardian. And why the hell you would get this guy to be in charge of your kid? I mean, unless your aim was to get the kid killed. I don't don't know why. And they're in Africa uh, in a made-up country. I think it's called like Mamba Wamba, which is just stupid and insulting. (laughs) And uh, Jimmy Walker plays their their, uh, African guide. In a role that I'm just – I mean, if they thought if, – if if they thought J.J. was like a terrible stereotypical role, uh, boy, Going Bananas must have really just made them happy to see him in this one because he is awful. And uh, basically this movie – I tried to rewatch it, okay? Uh, I couldn't even finish it. It's like an hour and a half of like two people who are supposed to be funny, you know, Dom Delouise and Jimmy Walker, and they're both just horribly unfunny. Uh, the kid is, eh, he's cute, but he's not funny either. Um, we've got Deep Roy um, in a monkey suit, and he's supposed to be a talking chimpanzee. Uh there this movie i can't even begin to explain to you just how terrible it is except to say in some of the slapstick moments they add cartoon sound effects so that you can get the point that you're supposed to laugh because something you know funny just happened and they add like a boing or you know some stupid Sound effect like that that you'd find in like a Hanna Barbera cartoon in this movie.
3: Yeah, director Bose Davidson has a twisted sense of humor, I think, <laughs> and I think this film was all made in his personal sense of humor because it doesn't relate to anybody else in the in the real world. Like it's supposed to be like slapstick funny, and it's not slapstick funny. Uh, J J Walker takes uh J- jimmy walker takes acting back about three decades it's just really ho- really horrible he's he's um yeah and i mean well dom de is dom de you you ask for him you get him and dom de was only funny with burt reynolds you put him with anybody else Um, he's not that funny. I mean, he he made a few classic films before then, but once he got on the Burt Reynolds bus, that's it. You know, he went into he he went shtick, complete shtick, and that's all this movie is trying to do is force these really horrible jokes and these really this really horrible dialogue, and that monkey looks hor look it's scary. (laughs) <laughs> it
1: looks
4: diseased. I mean, I, it yes. it is. And, and the kid, I mean, well, one of the disturbing things is how much this monkey is always loving all over Dom DeLuise. And it's just, it's kind of sickening. It, it kind of t- turns your stomach because the monkey doesn't look that great. And you're just repulsed by uh, Dom DeLuise's character anyway. And it it's just, nothing goes right with this film. Uh, And you know what made it especially striking is having just recently, recently seen Black Panther and seeing like, what an amazing, you know, faux African nation can look like. And then seeing this movie and I was just like ready to break something. You know, I was just,
3: it was like, it was the 80s it was a different time unfortunately and um again these were um um middle eastern filmmakers so they had a whole different take on um you know on different races and um and uh you know just a different world view on everything, Everybody had a different worldview back then. It, it is fantastic that we can have a movie like Black Panther finally that can uh, set things, set things on in, a, in a positive direction as opposed to the 80s where we unfortunately had a lot of, um, you know, just really skewed, horrible views of uh, how different races, how different nationalities were. Just, yeah, this movie is horrible all around, but it got made. It, it it amazes me how this film actually. Okay, we're gonna have a talking monkey, and we're gonna have a kid, and he's gonna go to Africa. <laughs> <It's> like, what? <laughs> okay, sure. And I mean that was that was Golan, I mean, Madame Golan, just like yes, yes, we're going to make a movie about this. What? <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Sounds good to well, me.
1: one of the
4: one of the things I read about this because okay, first of all, it got a two point eight on imdb which is one of the lowest scores i've ever seen for any movie and i actually was like well 2.8 is generous um i gave it a one Uh, it's that bad but uh one of the things i recall reading about this movie is okay so it didn't get released in theaters but what they did is they showed it to kids and had kids review it and so when they were schlepping it out there to the general public you know, the reviews that people were reading, um, which I think they did in magazines, like kids' magazines and stuff, those were reviews from kids. Kids are stupid. They don't know what's good. You know, they're like – and the reviews were things like, I like the
3: monkey, you know. <laughs> hey, Trista, that was Henry Bollinger doing his job, man. <laughs> <laughs> Henry, Henry you know, I, I can't do his accent well, but he had a little bit of an accent, and he, he his whole thing, he, I, I could just see him. Though I, I knew his manners the way he talked. He like, Let's get kids to review the damn movies. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. This movie's a piece of crap. We'll, we'll just get the, you know, kids to do it. You know, sure, why not? Yeah, I could totally see Henry doing that, knowing, knowing that he has a complete piece of garbage. I mean, unfortunately, once a film is like made, it's made. That's it you know final, final final cut and you can't you can't take anything back and yeah anyway let, let's just run the trailer we we've given this film way more time than it deserves amen
0: <laughs> africa land of mystery Beauty and tourism. It's Dom DeLuise and Jimmy Walker. Exactly how dangerous is this place? <laughs> on the wildest safari ever to hit the jungle. This is not Disneyland we go to. Oh, <laughs> my African adventure. Two Americans and their guide go deep into the bushlands. Uh-huh. on a cultural extravaganza. Are you sure this man is a dentist? He's a qualified doctor. I demand no Oh! And make a startling discovery. I think he understands everything we say. This is a clever little monkey. (laughs) Which turns their holiday pleasure... Anything from the bar. Mm -hmm. Fully fousé, Well chilled. Into monkey business. Talking monkeys. The eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> <laughs> all right oh! Don DeLuise, Jimmy Walker, David Mendenhall, Herbert Long and Bonzo. Bonzo.: Yeah, I
1: mean New Bonzo
0: Give me a break. In my African adventure, everything a vacation I'm gonna miss you was never meant to be. You've got to cut down on the bananas.
3: No, oh, I'm not gonna miss you, Dom Deloise. Not gonna miss uh, this film at all. All right. Let let let's let, let's let's inhale, let's exhale everybody, and let's actually get on to a film that um, was released in theaters, did not do well in theaters. My second degree of canon films, Life Force Everybody, and this film has a huge cult following and I am one of the proponents. Of that, um, of that cult status, uh, I actually saw this at, at the theaters with my father the one week it came out, and we, um, me and my perverted father, of course, uh, you know, told my mother, "Oh, yeah, no, it's guys' night, guys' day. We're going to see, you know, a sci-fi movie. Look, it's a sci-fi movie. We're gonna go see that." And I, of course, had the inside track in knowing that uh, Matilda May the they discover this beautiful uh, actress and she's like naked through the whole movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> as soon as I told, showed my dad a picture of her in Starlog magazine um, from back in the day, and I was like, Oh, let's go check that out. <laughs> I don't care. what it's about. <laughs> and I'm like, it's about space vampires, apparently. And I was like, Oh, cool. Even better space vampires. Let's go. Um, yeah, this movie is the ultimate what the fuck movie, uh, directed by Toby Hooper, uh, the great Toby Hooper, and written by uh, Dan O'Bannon uh, of Return to the Living Dead and Alien fame, a uh, great sci fi uh, film writer, along with his writing partner on this, Don Jacoby, uh, based on the 1976 novel, The Space Vampires. And Toby made this, and he made Invaders from Mars canon. And Toby just brought his he, – he has a twisted sense of humor with the Texas Chainsaw films, which we'll get into more later. But this one, he just, like – uh, there's only one way to put it, everybody. He let his balls hang out on this one. He just said, fuck it. And so did Dan O'Bannon. They throw every crazy sci-fi idea into this damn movie. Um there's, there's, you have the nudity, you got the crazy plot. Um, it, it, it's just they, they find this very phallic spaceship out in the middle of, uh, out, out on the tail of Halley's Comet, and uh, they um find uh, three space vampires uh, naked and they bring them onto the ship, and so that ship doesn't make it back uh, except for. They they find the wreck of it out there. Another ship does, and they find naked Matilda May, and um, then Steve uh, you get Patrick Stewart in this movie. <laughs> it's inhabited by one of the uh, by one of the space vampires, her, and it just for me to really go and explain the plot doesn't do the film justice. You got to really just, it's like getting on a roller coaster. You don't want to see the whole ride before you get on because that's not fun. <laughs> You, 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 you get on the ride and you strap in and with, with, with your seatbelt and you just go, okay. <laughs> For two hours of complete awesomeness, one minute you're just like seeing a charred like body like attack somebody and, and just, just life forces being sucked out of people. And it's, it's a British film, you get a lot of uh, Britain at night. D. Railsback's in there who's who's always awesome. Just I remember coming out of it and my dad's like that film made absolutely no sense and I'm like no but it was great. And my dad's like yeah it was great. <laughs> <laughs> it made no sense through half the film. It's 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 like when I saw my favorite film of all time Buckaroo Banzai the first time you're you're not going to get it on the first viewing. You need to you need to do do a deep dive afterward and really pick it apart and then enjoy it for all of its morsels and uh yeah if you find Life Force on cable anywhere or you find it on streaming you, it's a must watch especially like on a nice like rainy afternoon when you have nothing to do it's, it's just perfect perfect view or get a bunch of people together and mind fuck all of you cause <laughs> you, you, you'll be there are scenes you'll be going this is awesome and badass and are other are scenes you'll be laughing your ass off as to where they came up with this idea what's happening <laughs> I love this film have have you seen life force
4: Um I have seen it uh it had its run on cable I believe on HBO at one point when I was growing up and it was one of those movies that we watched you know every time it was on that we were awake uh and The main thing, like, I remember that this movie is, I always remember this movie is over the top. I always remember people getting their life force, like, sucked out of them and how cool that looked. But I have to say, like, Matilda May kind of overpowers everything else that happens because she's just this amazingly formed perfect person and she's naked the entire movie so it's hard yep. like when she's on screen it's like you're not even paying attention to what's happening you're just looking at like oh my god this woman she's
3: amazing uh, yeah that she's, helps Yeah, she's, that gets fucked over you know <laughs> you can't resist <laughs> gets on the spaceship I gotta kiss her and she's like doing that she's uh, seducing them with that voice that she has that they've with the echo on and she just sounds like she's somebody from NPR telling you everything's going to be okay you know
4: <laughs> I kind of oh. remember yeah but I mean you're right I mean it I it's just a crazy movie it's like they threw all kinds of things in there all at once because you're like oh this is a science fiction movie this is about Haley's Comet and uh, you know, oh, wait, no, it, this is, okay, it's about aliens. Oh, wait, no, it's about vampires. Oh, wait, we're in England now? Like, what is happening?
3: There's a plague. <laughs> All this has caused a plague in Britain, you know? <laughs> it's like um, it's like they squeezed uh, an entire, like, um, an entire, se- you know, what would be the plot line of an entire series, like 25-episode series into one two-hour movie and just yeah. shoehorned, they shoehorn it in there. They just like opened up the opening and just pushed everything <laughs> and hit blend. <laughs> and okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but it's be- it's, a, it's a it's a beautiful mess and uh, Toby Toby should be proud. I mean, he, he, he they gave him a lot of money to make this film. I mean, the film doesn't look chinsiers are great for the time Yeah, it looks wonderful. Yeah, yeah, and that was what pissed off uh, uh, Golden Globus. They, like, threw all this money at it, and they thought they had a masterpiece on their hands. And, whoops, nobody was buying except twisted people like us. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, let's go on to uh, your uh, third degree of canon.
4: Okay, so... I'm connecting through a uh, child star, David Mendenhall, um, to my next movie, which is <clears throat> Over the Top, also uh, from 1987. And I don't really know anybody that doesn't know this film, but um, Sylvester Stallone is Lincoln Hawk, which I think is the second best character name in in like the movie world ever, my first one being uh Lawrence Fishburne as Furious Styles. Uh in uh <laughs> is it uh which movie is it Boys in the Hood? Yes yeah, where he's yeah. Furious Styles. Um but anyway, uh Sylvester Stallone is Lincoln Hawk and he's a trucker. He's a single father. He's also an arm wrestler and uh he you know enters this uh the world arm champ arm wrestling championship so he can buy his own big rig basically
3: and he's That's got his plot, kid with man. him. That's a plot Yeah. That is the plot. Um the I like to call it One plot. This... The plot. There's only one <laughs> plot. Um how long do arm wrestling matches last? Oh. Uh, according to this movie too long. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: Way, definitely. Definitely way too long. Uh, this is
4: like but, it's the Rocky of Arm Wrestling,
3: basically. Yeah, that was the log line that they sold it probably uh, to get the film financed and sold it to Sly. <laughs> it's Rocky <laughs> <with> arm wrestling. <laughs> Alright, sounds good. You know.
4: <laughs> and Golan uh he directed this, so that's a nice little Extra, you know, we got him stepping into the director's seat. And, uh, I mean, this movie, uh, a lot of people love it. You know, it's got a really huge fan base. Um, I don't know if that's just because of Sylvester Stallone and his star power, where people at one point, they just loved anything that he did. Or if it's maybe because people love the, you know, the cheesiness of it, because it's pretty darn cheesy with the music and almost everything that uh, Sylvester Stallone says in this movie is kind of like a pithy. Um, they're just like a bunch of sayings that are weird but they're supposed to be inspirational I, I don't really know what's happening with the dialogue um, but I think the the number one thing this movie is known for is when you turn your baseball cap backwards, shit's going down.
3: You're oh, – yeah.
4: something as big as about to happen.
3: <laughs> Most definitely, man. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the hat's turned. That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. Over. Um. He – you know, Stallone made a bunch of movies for canon. Uh, one of the other classics is, of course, Cobra. And the same kind of dialogue, where it's this over-the-top macho bravado. A lot of canon films had this, and that they cre- That's how they created the Van Dams. and the you know uh, the uh, for every unfortunate, unfortunately for every Van Dam and every uh, Stallone, there was a Michael Dudikoff. You know that yeah. <laughs> of the Ninja films. But I digress. Um, just all the all the dialogue was just like way, way, way overblown and yeah I agree in this film you're you're just like what's the next like overly macho bullshit thing he's gonna say (laughs) and not
4: just that too but but it's supposed to be um, he's supposed to be sensitive you know and a lot of the things that he says to his son and you know like just talking to other characters in the movie I, I wish I could even think of one thing but i think i was just trying to block it out cuz it was just like my ears would start ringing i'd like this is bullshit like this is crazy like this doesn't even make sense but he's all you know everything is a lesson you know he's he's like the super sensitive guy he's not just a tough guy he's like a you know he's a renaissance man cuz don't forget he's also a truck driver and single father so
3: right <laughs> Well, that, this was the whole thing in the 80s. I mean, that's how you had Patrick Swayze in Roadhouse. And that's why people love that movie. He's just, you know, too cool for school. Everything that comes out of his mouth is that is that guy that you meet at the bar who's been drinking there every day for, like, you know, five years. and he's uh, But but he's a man, like you said, a renaissance man, a man of the world. The things I've done and the things I've seen, what you need to know is, you know, and he'll spout off some, Bullshit. <laughs> and if you're in your and if you're 20s, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's how I need to live life. Yeah. And unfortunately, this guy isn't 20. He's 50. You know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Let's let's uh let's run this remarkably awesome trailer for Over the Top. What are the odds of the Lincoln Hawks?
0: Twenty to one pound. pal. Real long shot. Relax. Let's go. The world meets
1: nobody halfway. Remember that. I don't have a father, sir.
2: The world has always bet against Lincoln Hawks. Fight
1: nothing. Why'd you leave us?
2: It won't happen again. What my grandson found, I don't care okay, how you do it, do it. But a winner never listens to the odds.
1: <laughs> Whatever happens, I want you to stay with him. Okay.
2: Guaranteed. You ain't got a prayer in Vegas. You never had anything, so you have nothing to lose. All I want to do is hurting, him, crippling, him, get him off the table. All I care about is you. You're my boy, you understand?
1: The not beats nobody halfway. Now is the time to do for yourself.
2: I want you. Bester Stallone over the top.
3: You're the best around. Nobody's gonna bring you down. <laughs> I hear that music the first thing I think of. Thank you, uh, thank you, uh, Trey and Matt. The world's straight. You're the best around. Um yeah. Um I love in uh canon films too, they'll have like um they'll have a film that they know is absurd and then to try and give some gravitas to it, they throw Robert Loggia in there. Which oh, is yeah. prestige. <laughs> give him the halfway decent dialogue to try and carry the film along.
4: <laughs> yeah, and these poor um, suckers, really, there's just no you can't you can't class it up.
3: It's it's nope. <laughs> you can try. Can't put lipstick on a pig. That's the old saying, right. right? Yep. yep. <laughs> Let me move on to my next uh, degree of uh, canon films, and I f- digress. I failed to mention that my link between Runaway Train and Life Force was cinematographer Alan Hume, and the reason I bring that up is I said that film was just wonderful, and uh, you know, c- uh, cinematography is phenomenal, but. Then uh, you have uh, my next link is going to be linking Toby Hooper to. He followed up his masterpiece Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the very twisted and very very underrated Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two in 1986. This sequel is he he really whereas the, his first film of course was like a stark masterpiece with barely any music and use sound design to scare the living shit out of you. This movie uses the black comedy of the whole family that we barely got to meet in the first film and speaking of Over the Top being a family film this is a real family film yeah. <laughs> in my mind black ass comedy family just Takes place thirteen years after the original. Leatherface is back at it again, and him and his sadistic family are pulling their old tricks. And there's a um, this time they victimize a good old uh, radio, female radio DJ named Stretch. Uh, lots and lots of phallic references throughout this film. Uh, lots and lots of use of the chainsaw to run up thighs of women, and you know <laughs> just just. <laughs> Leatherface is waving it around. Speaking of, you know, Toby Evan has balls out on this one. Leatherface has his has his has his chainsaw out on this one, like fully erect. It's it's just crazy ass. um, It's a crazy movie. Everybody that there are people that really really don't like it um, because it's such a different flavor than the original. I really really enjoyed seeing this at the theater. Had a really 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 fun time. There's phenomenal performances, especially by. The great, great, great Bill Mosley, just uh, incredible actor. Who, thank goodness, had a little bit of a comeback with when Rob Zombie brought him back um, in uh, Thou- House of a Thousand Corpses, and then uh, Devil's Rejects. Just you, you know, and uh, you have uh, you know, uh, mad respect for an actor, and just just Bill Bill Mosley is a is a horror icon. As we know, and this is his his <laughs> t- tour de force performance, wouldn't you say? He, I know you've seen. Oh
4: it. yeah, I like to call him over the chop top, because he is just wow! What is going yeah. on here? <laughs> He's fantastic.
3: Yeah, um, Leatherface is played by Bill Johnson in this one. Uh, you have good old uh, you have good old uh, Dennis Hopper showing up he's the um his uh kids got killed in the first film his character he's a sheriff uh, rather he's a texas ranger and his kids got killed in the first one so he's out for revenge and uh you get a a a, you get the lightsaber battle of chainsaws in this movie (laughs) people. yes that sells the film automatically i remember seeing that in the trailer and going well, it looks like I know what we're doing this Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna go see a lightsaber battle with chainsaws, guys. Come on, let's get, let's go. <laughs> get in the car. We're, we're, we're out. I
4: love um, Dennis Hopper's scenes in this movie because it actually um, it feels like it's almost a different movie whenever he's on the screen. Like uh, he's taking it somewhere else. Because uh, I mean, for the most part. I, I I'm with you on this. I love this movie too. Not as much as I enjoy the first one, but still, it's taking it in a different direction and it's super fun. But uh, I felt like Dennis Hopper was like super like um, scary and intense in a in a different way. Like he was in a different sort of movie. So, uh, but he's still very enjoyable. I just feel oh, like he he kind of stands method. out
3: he's method acting his ass off. You know, Toby gave him like a frame of reference and he's, he's Dennis Hopper. And he treated this like he was acting an easy rider. Like, yeah, I'm going all out. I'm going all (laughs) out in this damn movie and just screw it. he, he didn't care that it was a Texas chainsaw film. He was like, no, I'm, I'm lending as much of a performance as I would to any other film that I do. Um, you know, he did it in Blue Velvet uh, around this time, and that that I this you know he really was hot in the '80s with his performances. Even God, he did that movie. What was, uh, wasn't it Rude Awakening or whatever the hell? No, that wasn't. That, it was one of those hippie movies. He was good in there. The movie was horrible. He was great in it. He, every film in the '80s that he did. Oh, the the one that I um, um the Hot Spot. Mm-hmm. He was in there he brought he he brought gravitas to that movie when it was just like a you know smoldering sex film and then dennis if
4: only everybody treated every film like he did some of these movies that we think are crappy would probably be way better you know what i mean even if it's got a dumb script or you know doesn't look that great but if all actors just followed dennis hopper's you know uh followed his example then some of these that are uh you know two or three star films maybe he they'd be bumped up a notch to a five or a six. I
3: agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of bumping, um Caroline Williams, a stretch, kudos to you girl. The, the if we were doing awards this week, best Daisy Dukes. Holy cow. <laughs> Caroline can rock the Daisy Dukes in this film like like they're going out of style. Holy cow, she's hot in this. This film is, yeah.
4: This is the second time
3: that this or well
4: was it this week or no last week. Um, I'm on a horror trivia team, and uh, Vanita Stretch Brock was like one of the uh, the questions in the quiz. I mean, it it was a visual clue. We had to guess uh, who she was, and of course, you know, we were like, "Oh my God, how could you not know who this is?" She's got some of the best legs ever seen in a film ever.
3: <laughs> Hell yeah. L, yes! Hell, yes! <laughs> Good job, Caroline. You, you, I, I, I hope, I hope the legs are keeping up because you, 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 you're making men very, very happy. Uh, <laughs> so let's listen to. Uh, Let's listen to uh, Bill Mosley and and, uh, Caroline do a nice little tour de force. I picked one of the better clips, one of the more fantastic clips of the film from Texas Chainsaw 2.
0: It's nobody's fault. I just can't do this.
1: <laughs> Let me go. Ah. Oh. Let me go. What the hell's going on? here. <laughs>
2: you here. haired idiot. Get out of here oh. Are you the saboteur that's fucking up our house? (laughs) Trying to put me out of business?
0: Thousands of dollars lost. You got that kind of money? No. It's the DJ, my (laughs) fave.
2: That dirty thing. Told me you boys got her. Well, yeah. uh, Leatherface
0: killed her once already tonight.
2: But look, she's red-faced. Bubba's been playing with her. Bubba likes her. Bubba's got a girlfriend. Bubba's got a girlfriend. bubba has 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 got a girlfriend. Sub has got a girlfriend. Is that what this is, Bubba? The old cock and cut swindle, huh? S C E X sex. (laughs) Hey, you had to find out about it, didn't you? Yeah, uh, you just couldn't leave it alone. If you wanted to know about it, bad, about oh, why didn't you ask me? You want to know about it? You want to know about it? Ask me. Ask me. It's a swindle. That's all. That's all. don't Don't get mixed up in it. Help
1: me. Help me. Help me.
2: Please help me.
3: Please. Help me. Please help me. Oh, nothing not like at Scex man, oh, <laughs> like that in. ladies with the Scex, a <laughs> swindle. Oh my god! If that, if you haven't seen this film and that scene doesn't sell it for you, you don't like good horror. And um, I mean, just to you know, the back to being a canon film, you were able to get films like this made. Whereas a big studio would touch this film with a 10-foot pole. And I'm sure Toby pitched it to them, and they're like, oh, yeah, we get to make a you know, sequel to one of the most iconic horror films of all time. Yeah, yeah. Too. The way they treated movies like this is they just threw money at it. It was the name. They didn't care. And they had the same director. They were like, okay, let make it. Go go make your movie. Just go do it. Yeah, and you'd get these – You'd get little masterpieces like this that were just just amazing uh amazing movies uh for the genre just really really you know pushing it really twisted stuff love love this film um, let's get on to your next degree of uh of Canon
4: okay, talking about
3: masterpieces here this
4: one um So I'm connecting through uh, actor Rick Zumwalt. And my next film is Penitentiary 3, which is also from 1987. As you can tell, 87 was kind of my favorite year uh, for canon. And uh, this movie uh, is about a boxer. Okay, it's the third in a series. It's the same character, this boxer named too sweet, and once again he's framed for murder and sent to prison, and he has to fight his way, you know, through the bad guys in prison. Um, with this installment of the series, it's, which is the final one, they really just go for broke and just. This is one of my favorite movies, um, sports-related movies, if you want to loosely call it a sports movie. Um, of all time it stars uh, leon isaac kennedy he's too sweet and then you've got anthony gary you know tony gary from daytime tv he was like luke of the luke and laura famous couple from uh, general hospital Uh, He's playing, like, the main bad guy. His name is Serengeti, and he lives in, like, a special prison cell with his cross-dressing companion named Cleopatra, who wears all these, like, amazing outfits. And uh, if if you ever wanted to see a movie with, like, a flying killer man-raping dwarf, this is the
3: movie that you need to see. Say that again. I'm, I'm in. What? what? What's that again?
4: A flying killer man uh-huh. raping
3: dwarf. That checks all the boxes for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm in. I'm totally in. Yeah. Uh, you've, got, you've got my five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw this at the theater. I took a date to see this movie. And oh, actually, wow. We, oh, we both. She was twisted like me. Thoroughly enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it had watched the first two on video and i and we had this theater the davis that would run basically um all the junk from hollywood we'd get um films they they would run the they'd run a movie like this first run there and uh they had penitentiary three they'd run crown international films which beautiful story of filmmaking greatness um, a lot of uh, teenage sex movies and uh, stuff through Crown International Pictures, but yeah, they they ran Penitentiary Three like first run, and it was great. At least every, <laughs> everything every, is in this film. If you like good genre filmmaking, that you could ever want, it's 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 the full package. You have fighting, you have sex, you have you know overblown characters, and you, you have the dwarf. I mean, yeah. I mean, what else, what else do you want for your, uh, at the time, like, five bucks? You know?
4: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you really got your money's worth with this one.
3: Yeah. And Lee, is, Lee and Isaac Kennedy's is great in it. He, he's, what I love about him and then everybody in the penitentiary movies from the get-go, they were a little more serious in the beginning. Um, now they had said, screw it. They, they did exactly what the Rocky films did. First Rocky film was a prestige film, you know, man on the down and out, blah blah blah. 2 was a circus and then Rocky 3 was just like they were com- that's what they were competing with. So they were like we got to do a Rocky 3, you know, they they you know, the, the dwarf was their uh, Hulk Hogan, I think. Don't you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> that's the, the dwarf the was series. a wrestler you- by the way. You know that, yeah. right? I know. <laughs> that's the point. He's the Hulk Hogan.
4: How, is, how are we gonna
3: switch this up? You you, you, you know that you know that Manaham um, Golan was sitting there going, "What do Rocky films have that these penitentiary films don't?" You know? <laughs> <laughs> Put this in there, okay? Sure. And That's one of the it. truly like '80s flavors
4: that they added into this movie was. Um, <clears throat> Steve Anton, who's also in Last American Virgin, he's like the scumbag friend Rick. Um, but in this movie, he's uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy's character's like little buddy, kind of his little mascot. And this guy, who do you know, can goes to prison with their saxophone? Like he's playing his saxophone. In the, like, in the prison transport vehicle on the mm-hmm. way to jail, and then he plays it in his prison cell. Like, this is
3: – what? It's not a weapon. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't care what you say. A saxophone isn't – I mean, it's a musical weapon, but can't anybody <laughs> with a saxophone – I I, I I heard the word and I'd allow it. I don't see the problem. Oh, God,
4: this movie is just so, is very and, sexy,
3: is what I have to get, say. Very sexy. <laughs> Bing zoom with my rim shot. I love it. <laughs> Joke of the week. Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Trista Perez, she'll be here all week. Oh, I love it. And yeah, I agree. Anthony Geary gives a, t- uh, I've said this, used this term twice, but yet another tour de force performance as a jaded critic would say oh my god just anthony geary he did this he did the same thing in the movie uhf he had to play so play it so straight laced on general hospital and then you know got to be in these movies and you have to play such a a guy named serengeti are you kidding me he didn't (laughs) he didn't give a flying fuck. He just said,
2: "Well, oh, well, here we go."
3: <laughs> yeah, he's just going with it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and and this is a film that has like the right whereas we were talking about, you know, uh Going Bananas had like a horrible uh sense of humor going in the uh, twisted in the wrong direction. This has a it twisted in the right direction. Just really, really enjoyable fun crowd I used to call this a Friday night movie. This was like I I just got off work. I don't want to think too hard. I want to see some messed up crap. Let's go. And
4: yeah, absolutely. This is one that uh, you know my friends and I would definitely watch. Uh, You know, uh, we had it on. uh, We had the entire penitentiary series on VHS, so that just tells you like my family household what was prime entertainment for us. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and especially if you've seen, like, the first one, it's like no little kid should ever be watching that one. But, you know, maybe we'll talk about that in a future episode. Uh, But, yeah, this is like, I don't know, this movie just has a really, uh, it's just appealing to me. I mean, this is a movie I would give a 10 to. And I was trying to figure out, like, the, so the, the dwarf, he kept reminding me of something, and I was trying to figure out, like, Who does he remind me of? And I finally figured it out. He looks like the African Zuni doll from Trilogy of Terror. Oh, no. If that doll had
5: muscles
3: and could fly.
5: (laughs) Sure. I
1: love
3: it. I think you hit the nail on the head on that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, anytime he can make a trilogy of terror reference, it's super welcome on Six Degrees of Retro. The the masterpiece of TV movies. <laughs> the masterpiece. <laughs> All right. Well, let's 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 uh, enjoy this fantastic uh, raw trailer of Penitentiary
2: Three. Two Sweet is back. This time he's been set up. Like, Why will the referee where's the darkest to take a fall, which lands him five more years in hell? Here the fighting has no rules, and the only winners are losers. Midnight time. Why doesn't somebody
1: do something? One word, Serengeti. I'm nobody's property. Followed your career, Mr. Gordon. Yes. Looks like the NSL's a real pro here. I uh, quit fighting,
2: sir. Nobody says no to Serengeti. No.
1: Because of me, you, one time.
2: Now he is forced to fight for his life with the devil himself. Just playing come of that ring. It is to, win? to pay the winner's price. Leon Isaac Kennedy returns as too sweet. You can't hurt me. In Jamar Penitentiary 3.
3: Ain't nobody says no to Serengeti. Hell <laughs> say it loud. Say it proud. Oh, <laughs> Oh, my god! It's so good i was I was so glad when you showed me your list, and I was like, "Oh man, she's gonna do a penitentiary movie. Thank you <laughs> <laughs> So let's actually keep it going with the uh Leoniza Kennedy and give your next degree, sure." So uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy does it
4: again, um, but this time we're going uh, back in time a little bit to uh, 1981. And the movie is called Body and Soul. And um, it's about, you know, this young guy who uh, he's he wants to be a boxing champ. And it's basically, if you ever saw Diana Ross's, movie mahogany this is the mahogany of boxing where you know our main character learns that success ain't nothing without someone you love to share it with because he's got his hot girlfriend and she's the one that teaches him that it's not just about success you got to have heart you got to have love too it's that cheesy
3: but it's good. It's a good film. This, uh, film, actually got, it's, this, this film got actually, like, Roger Ebert liked this film. Like, the performances well, are half decent in it. I mean, for a genre film, it, it's, it's, you know, it's a little bit of a cut above the rest, I would say.
4: I'd rather just watch Mahogany again because I felt like that was a way better movie than this. I mean, Leon Isaac Kennedy and Jane Kennedy, God bless them, they are um, possessed of some of the best looks and bodies ever. I mean, they were just a beautiful couple, but their acting, to me, is just bland and kind of boring. Uh, The movie really doesn't do a lot for me. It's watchable, for sure, but I don't know, I... Roger Ebert and I are just going to have to agree to disagree
3: on this, as we
4: have in the past. And he knows what I'm talking about. I don't need to say anything more.
3: Well, God rest Roger's soul. I think he was just actually super happy that it was like, um, yes, it was mahogany, but it was just a, um, yeah, there weren't a lot of, um, you know unfortunately african american films as you know in the you know 70s and 80s you are an expert on black exploitation you for for every good film you'd get you know five exploitation films so the fact that this was actually like a reasonable film you know, with a decent plot to it i think he was just amazed yeah.
4: <laughs> well see and that's the danger of that's the that's the uh, pothole in the road of what is a good black film is because there's so many around that, this era that were just terrible or, you know, that uh, a lot of stereotypical uh, black characters are out there. And so this mediocre movie gets made and it gets a lot of praise because it's, well, at least it's not that, but I'm going to, I'm going to just stick with my Feelings on this one and be—it's eh, not that good. It's okay. It's not that great. It's better than the other shit that was out there, but I'm not gonna say it's—it's it's a good movie. It's meh. All
3: right. <laughs> I—I'm I, being—I'm I'm being educated. This is how. This is how. This is why we do podcasts. Uh, yeah. I, I was actually surprised that you—I thought you'd like this film more. So. It, it's a, it's an interesting uh interesting review of it. Um yeah. Is, I, is I, Leon Isaac Kennedy still alive? I don't know. I think Actually, I think he is. I think he just Is just he going to come beat his. me up? No.
4: <laughs> Cuz he yeah. is. I he love this
3: movie. It's great. I think he just did one of those Hollywood shows. I'm going to drag you down here to go to and you could probably get get his autograph and take a picture with him for 100 bucks. So
4: he, he, if he ever finds out who I am, he's not gonna want to take a photo with me. He's gonna be like,
3: we, "Yeah,
4: I heard what you said.
3: We love Penitentiary Three. He, he's that's he's true. Cool with us. He's super cool with us. <laughs> Just because we didn't like the movie with him and his him and his perfect wife, you know. Anyway, <laughs> let's run the <this> trailer." <laughs>
2: Gave his body. They wanted his soul. Leon Johnson had a mission.
0: We're gonna go to work, man. <laughs> you can be the champion. He was in a hurry to reach his
2: goal. He gave it all. Body and soul. Together on screen for the first time. Leon Isaac Kennedy and Jane Kennedy. <speaking in the world> as you've never seen them before.
0: And the greatest himself, Muhammad Ali.
1: The man who's not just the fighter, but a lover of life, Leon
2: the Lover. He loved his winner, and no man was going
0: to stand in his way. Are
2: you really Leon the Lover?
0: Who's <laughs> standing here the winner? I am. Who has the belt? I do.
2: But something went wrong. Your reign is over. Don't you. Don't you
0: say that to me. You weren't there. You don't know how it was. You'll die.
2: And one man stood in his way. Ricardo Madman Santiago. I'm going to kick you
0: down.
1: Now you got to knock him out.
2: You got to call the show. He moved his way to the top. Now he's fighting for his life
0: to save him. I want it so bad. Body and soul. It takes both to be a winner.
5: Trista, are you really the video vixen?
3: Anyway. (laughs) Are you really? Oh, too cheap. Yeah. That, that that cheesy part of the trailer and uh, when, when anytime you say, first time on screen ever, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> that It reminds me of the movie Two of a Kind. The first time Ooh. John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John on screen since Greece. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Two of a Kind ain't no Grease. No. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> together okay <laughs> yeah not
4: so not so awesome
3: <laughs> for you yeah <laughs> you, you, you've been heard you've been heard all right speaking of fighters i am going to uh go into my uh my next uh level of uh my next degree of i am going to link uh I had to really, really uh, go rogue on this one. So, Newt Arnold, who directed Bloodsport, as I said about uh, canon films, it's a very incestuous community. They brought up a lot of... All of a sudden, a guy was a line producer on one film, and all of a sudden, you, you, you're going to direct the next movie. Okay. Um, <laughs> he went from being a second unit guy on Texas Chainsaw 2... Guess what? You're directing a film with this new martial art sensation. Well, we're going to turn him into one. Jean-Claude Van Damme with the best splits in the business and the yeah. highest kick uh, since Chuck Norris. Bloodsport, 1988 people. I, I As uh, Trista uh, the video vixen always says, I don't need to get delve too deep into this film because if you don't know what blood sport is you haven't watched movies it's a classic it's a martial arts classic and it was the beginning of jean-claude van damme the legend's career um all i got to do is say the word kumite and everybody knows what the hell i'm talking about <laughs> hidden <laughs> hidden fight going on based on a true story from some guy that Fucking fought in these kumites, these hidden battles, and it has this absurd plot that if I, you know, go what, too deep into, first timer would be like, what? I'm not going to see this crap. But it's it's a classic and it's beautiful, and it's uh, it, it's just amazing. Um, everybody knows Frank Dukes, army captain. You know. N- N- Nin, ninjutsu expert, you know all this crap. You know all these, all the, all the, uh, all the uh, fancy bullshit martial arts stuff thrown in this movie is <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> atrocious. If you talk to anybody that actually knows anything about martial arts, they're like, excuse me, <laughs> bloodsport. <laughs> what? <laughs> the, the Canon got a bug up their ass. They. I, I remember watching the documentary, Electric Boogaloo, and they liked the term ninja. So they were like, okay, martial arts. People like martial arts. Let's make martial arts films. And, I mean, they were hot. I'd go down with my buddies to the McVickers Theater in Chicago, and we'd go see martial arts triple features on Sunday afternoons, and we were bored for three bucks. And this was trying to bring back the genre from the 70s, of like hardcore um, uh, martial arts films, and uh, it, it, it this film blew up though, It made tons of money worldwide, and it made it gave Jean-Claude Van Damme a name. Are you are you pro or con on Bloodsport?
4: Bloodsport, I fucking love
3: this movie.
4: Uh, it's one of those ones that you know when you watch it, and then you want to go and fight somebody. You know because <laughs> you're <laughs> you're all you're all hyped up from seeing all this amazing action, and then you're just like, "Oh, who can I hit? who can I kick? you know it's oh, I love this movie so much well when you see even the like goofiness moment, of it
3: yeah, when you see a spaz out moment like Van Dam gives, you know during the big fight, oh my God, you know the shaking yeah. The- that's it <laughs> when you're when you're in your teens and you see that, you're like, "Holy crap, this is the greatest thing ever it, it, and that split that
4: split thing that I don't care how many times I see that, it's amazing every time. It never gets boring. I should start like waking up every morning and like watch that because it makes me so excited. like
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, for the day. Apparently, I mean, it, it's, they say it in Electric Boogaloo, but Henry Bollinger. Um, when I asked him, I go, you know, I was asking him about how different people were discovered, and he's like, Sean Klein Van Dam won some, you know, competitions but he walked in, and he set up two chairs and he did the splits and he got, he got a contract signed that day. <laughs> they, were, they were like, Manaham <laughs> Golan went. We're putting that in a movie. We're putting that in a movie. That's gonna sell the tickets. That's it. It was like the circus. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that oh was it. Oh my God, it's it, too that's much. All that, that's all that. He, we, we knew from the film he can't act. And oh God, no. What's, what's amazing about this film is this was the beginning, and then, I mean, then he went and did major, you know, films in Hollywood and all the way up through. And you know, he made a film with Dennis Rodman for crying out loud, Double Team. Love that horrible. I love that horrible piece of crap for what it is garbage I had to go to I went to a test screening of that and uh, um, Mr. Hark the director was there and they had a bunch of us like um, they're like what did you think of the film I loved it oh you get to meet the director we're going to have a round table afterward cool (laughs) I'm lying my ass off (laughs) you know I really like that scene where this happened and I'm totally lying I'm like I can't. I well, I tell my buddy. I go. Maybe Dennis Rodman is here. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis Rodman comes out of a side door. All the lying was worth it. (laughs) (laughs) Dennis fucking Rodman. Okay. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It
4: it is amazing. Uh, I think my. I mean, almost everything that uh, Jean Claude Van Damme has been in, because of who he is. I don't care how bad the movie is. I just like – he just is fucking entertaining. He's kind of like, oh, what's his name? The other suppo- – uh, Steven Seagal. It's like that but in a different way. Uh, I think uh, JCVD has more charm, and uh, that makes his not being able to act kind of uh, touching. You know, I don't know. It just makes me like him. But I have to say the one movie – that just put me in stitches the entire time was when uh he worked with John Woo. Uh oh what's the movie? Uh Hard Target. Hard Target. When yeah. he's in New Orleans. hmm Uh yeah, I I don't know who uh who's seen this movie, but it's so it's it's terrible, but it's also fantastic. Um, they did. Uh, it's got probably every B movie stereotype you can think of in it, and I would highly recommend it if you are looking for some more uh, Jean Claude Van Damme movies to to watch. I I would say that's a good one.
3: And make sure you get the unrated one. Find it somewhere. the uh, The unrated director's cut is has like the plot makes a lot more sense. <laughs> The, ah the, uh, i have not yeah. seen that version yes that's what you need to go and find if a buddy of mine has it you, you got to watch the full version because unfortunately the studio system works if it runs a little bit too long and they can't show it you know 10 times a day instead of you know 12 times a day if they can only show it eight times a day instead of 10 times a day they get pissed so they hack it up and uh you know, Jean claude isn't the greatest actor in the world, so they were just like, oh, well, if we can get rid of this and get rid of that and get rid of this, and whoops. Yeah, it's John. <laughs> oh, come on, man. That can make films. Jesus Christ. All right, let's, uh, let's, we, 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 of course, have to, um, enjoy a little bit of blood sport here.
2: For centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat. Known as the Kumite. I'm... open only to the world's most evil warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent Frank Brooks can be revealed. Uncle Sam can't afford to let you get hurt. I'm going to go Frank is going to fight in the Kumite, and we're here to stop it. An awesome human weapon. It hurts me just looking at it. Who infiltrates the Chinese underworld. I did not come this far to stop now. You. To enter a forbidden competition. Can
1: you just get me in?
2: Strict rules, no press.
1: you telling me you never break rules?
2: Where every fighting style Every worthy opponent, every deadly technique, flash in savage combat. Time separates the men from the boys, and only one will triumph. Now I break you. International martial arts sensation John Claude Van Damme, in blood. The true story of the ultimate champion. Kumitek,
1: kumitek,
3: kumitek. Ah, kumite, kumite,
1: kumite. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, say it loud.
3: Say it proud. Um, uh. I'm going to just segue right away, because we're right now. I am um, going to segue right into the fact that I am doing the, a, a very unique uh um, uh, jump in degree here a de- rather a unique link apparently in my next film my next degree of canon break-in Jean-Claude Van Damme was a extra they put him in the audience and he's just standing there it's <laughs> <laughs> like a piece of pop culture trivia and I, I read it one place and didn't believe it and it's like all over the internet and people are like oh yeah everybody knows that like he's in a cap and he just was visiting the set and there's Jean Claude Van Damme so guess what Jean Claude Van Damme is technically in Breakin', uh, the wow. of course, 1984 classic that Golan Globus heard that a, a larger studio was doing a movie called Beat Street um, that was a and and said we we need to put out a breakdance movie and he said Golan when I'm going says that he saw a kid doing break dancing on, in Venice and that inspired him and that's true but then he heard about Beat Street and went uh oh we need to jump on this trend so um, the plot of breakin is like super ultra basic uh, you have uh, Ozone and Turbo and uh, they're dancers and Lucinda Dickey comes along and she's a more classical dancer and much like uh um, you know uh flash dance in reverse instead of going from raw to contemporary it's going from uh, rather from classical to it's the it's the reverse of flash dance um, for Lucinda Dickey who is hotter than hell and uh, uh decent actress I'll be nice uh- <laughs> you, you are nice do
4: you know her like have you do met you her know. like <laughs> No, What's I'm doing it. I
3: can because she's hot, so <laughs> I don't want to piss her off. Lucinda, we—you know your acting chops, right? Come on, let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's, let's be honest. They—they uh, they put her in a ton of movies, and my final film will be with her. Um, and just breakin' is breaking. Everybody knows the movie Breaking. It, It's—it's just like Bloodsport. It's a—it's a classic. Um, you can go back in on. Uh, uh, at blogtalkradio.com slash grr and look all the way near the beginning of my shows and it was the highest listened to show with over 25,000 listens uh, when we had it live uh, Adolfo Canonas, uh, Shabadoo, I interviewed him when there was a movie called Battle B-Boy coming out and I wanted his take on the movie because uh, he is an expert of uh, shway style dancing and you know, one of the original, you know, pop and Lockers and all that. And it's a great interview, and he was very nice to me, and I'm very, very thankful that he granted me the interview, and people should go back and listen to that. And, I mean, that's I, – I can't, I can't say more about Breakin' than was already said on that episode. It's, it's a breakdance film, and it has a good spirit to it, and it was fun. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, the plot could have been uh, a, little, a little deeper, and then they made Breakin' Two, Electric Boogaloo, the most. Which has become thing. kind of a, a joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's the silliest <laughs> name. Cult movie joke. The silliest <laughs> name for any sequel ever. Um, what do you have to say about Breakin', Trista?
4: Um, <clears throat> I I like Breakin'. I was uh, actually more of a Beat Street fan than than Breakin'. Because I, I think Beat Street had uh, – it was grittier and had more of a – I don't know. It actually felt more real. And I I just wasn't – I'm sorry. I didn't buy what Lucinda Dickey was selling uh, in this movie. But I do love like Shabadoo and Boogaloo Shrimp. I mean I remember uh, Shabadoo when he was like appeared on an episode of uh, – I think it was what's happening when he was one of the rockets, and even you know back then it was like, oh my God, this guy, he's really handsome and he can like he can really dance. He uh you know he drew the eye. Uh, it's not a terrible movie. I mean, it's got some fun dance scenes. I I think that's all I would watch it for is just for that. I I skip pretty much everything else that's happening and just go right to the dancing.
3: I mean, the whole chemistry is between the uh, between uh, uh, Shabadoo and uh, and Turbo. I mean, that, that, that's the story, and that's what keeps it fun. Yeah, the whole Lucinda Dickey thing was to relate it to a uh, a uh, white audience, and it, it fails horribly. <laughs> it fails even worse in the second film. It's just terrible. Uh, they they, they th- like doing like jumping on trends. They had the famous Lombada competition. Oh, God, kind of yes. Competition. When uh, Menahem Gol and Yorm Globus broke up, they had a business um, mis- misunderstanding, will be nice. And they all of a sudden said, screw it. And they made competing Lombada films. And <laughs> whichever.
4: <laughs> all I both of I, them were just those two guys,
3: just the two of them they compete yeah one, one produced one one produced the other and we're gonna beat each other to the you know box office and both films made money strangely enough and they both sucked and just that's the way they, they threw together dance movies unfortunately and i mean when you hear the Shabadoo interview the man has passion and the man uh he he's a good actor and he's done his work and You know, everybody else is doing their work in that film, and then they just had to throw a, you know, a ridiculous plot in there, which sucks. But, you know, it's got heart. It is what it is. And uh, let's listen to the trailer so we can uh, get on to our last two films.
2: no breaking, can't be beat, it's the sound, the culture, the style of the street, it's the feeling that's possessed by our city's youth, cause they have true talent and now you've seen through,
1: you've got the talent.
2: Those street as I said, it's right to you, you're alive, my words are true All of us have our dreams, and though as impossible as it may seem You can make it with true motivation, hard hard work with the determination For graffiti, DJing, rapping and dance For most city youth, it's their only chance to gain recognition and make a name And possibly of their lucky stardom in fame So when you see them try Stop and watch, don't pass them by because the people just like you, trying to make their dreams come true
0: Looking at death, man. Come on, sucker, right now.
2: She was good. I'm better. What do you think you are, anyway? Disappear. <laughs> this story's true, but wait till part two.
3: All right. Well, while I <laughs> fold up, while I fold up my cardboard and put my checkered cap away, why don't you? uh, Lead us into your next degree Of uh, of uh, canon films
4: Sure um, I'm really ending on a high note With this one um, We're going to uh, Well we're connecting through Star Mel Wells And we're going to 1980's Dr. Heckle And Mr. Hype And it's just as terrible As it sounds um,
3: Oliver Reed i so bad now <laughs> Oh god. It's, I've never seen it. I want to see it so bad. I if you can sit through it,
4: I mean the next time, you know, when when we get together, I will buy you drinks all night. If you can sit through this entire movie and pay attention oh. and like not
3: hurt yourself or I mean it's it's pretty it's pretty bad. Mad. This film's early, like they they really started making films under Canon in 1980 when this came out, and this is when it was like Happy Hooker goes to Hollywood, like horrendous plots. They'd take find actors like poor Oliver Reed, right? He's in here, and yeah. he just end of their career. You could tell they're earning a paycheck. They're fucked. They <laughs> they go get him, and Oliver Reed shows up. Yeah, sure, I'll do this movie. Oh my God. The clip that you picked is just amazing. So give us a quick plot rundown. Um Oliver Reed is
4: uh, Dr. Henry Heckel. He is a podiatrist Um he's <clears throat> he's very unattractive, to put it mildly. And one of his coworkers workers devel- develops this uh, like secret serum and he takes it and he becomes you know doctor heckle becomes uh henry hype who is you know dashing and very attractive but also like a psychotic lunatic and just the fact like these names henry heckle and henry hype it just tells you they're trying too hard it's really bad um, I, I should have I known I'm going to hate you. this movie because it's got feet in it, and I fucking hate feet, so it's I should have known.
3: not forced known at all. It's it was... not, not forced <laughs> at all. I, I completely disagree. I'm Gene Siskel. No. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, it's it's just as bad as you would imagine.
3: It's got feet in it. That... <laughs> I want that to be the review line for Dr. Heckle and Mr. Hype. I don't like it because it's got feet in it. (laughs) (laughs) Trista Perez, the video vixen. That's underneath the quote. I love it. (laughs) All right, let's just play this. Oh my God. Everybody's going to love this clip. It is just hilariously
1: horrible. Sure, why not? Don't try to snow me, hype. This is no casual amputation. You want to cut off my feet so
0: I can't follow you? Why should I worry about you following me? <laughs> <laughs> With feet like that, you can follow me out of bed. You're making a perverted proposal to me, mister? Me? Me make a pass at a cop. Me make
1: a pass at a goddamn ugly fat foot cop. A goddamn ugly fat foot.
3: up in that scene is Oliver Reed's anger that he's being forced to do this fucking movie at the end of his career (laughs) do you know I've done Hamlet do you know I've done bloody Hamlet and I've got to play a fucking podiatrist in a cannon film I hope the check clears Jesus Christ (laughs) you know that's what he's saying in his head oh god (laughs) When you put that on there, I had to look it up. I was like, "This film exists! Oh my god, this film exists! Oh my god, it's beautiful."
4: I'm sure he doesn't really talk about. You know, he he didn't really uh, go around talking about his magnificent role
3: in in this movie. You think? <laughs> uh, what have you been doing lately? Oh, golfing. You know.
0: <laughs> god, I heard you well, were more likely movie. drinking.
3: I heard you were doing a little movie over there. <laughs> no, no, I didn't make that movie. <laughs> it's Oliver Rod, not Oliver Reed. <laughs> <laughs> Oliver Rod. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody else, some other British fuck, not me. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, since so, so uh, let's let's end this. Um, uh, you you since we're ending on the sadder films of canon films, I mean these are the kind of films they'd make they'd throw stuff at the wall and and try and make it work so the ninja films were of course a huge thing you had Shogashugi and he did uh, there was uh, Enter the Ninja which actually was a decent um, martial arts film for its genre it is what it is and then you had uh, Revenge of the Ninja which was fun too but then you have Sam Furstenberg in 1984 and I'm going to segue from Breakin' and takes your favorite actress in mind, Lucinda Dickey. I know she's really your favorite. You don't have to watch. And brings her over because she looks super hot in a bodysuit, and that's about it, and says, yeah, yeah, let's make her a ninja. Everybody at Cannon goes, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Let's do it. And Sam Furstenberg and the writers come up with this Insane plot of Shogu Shugi's character gets killed. And because um, she, uh, uh, because uh, Lucinda Dickey's character is, she fixes, she, she's up on the power, power line. She's a telephone, um, op, she's a telephone repair person. She's up on the telephone tower. Um, his spirit, it, she comes down to help him and his spirit gets transferred into hers. His, his evil ninja spirit. And uh <laughs> wackiness ensues. <coughs> <laughs> she is having sex with guys and all of a sudden gets possessed and her face starts turning all different colors and she she's she's possessed by the ninja. You know <laughs> I, Oh my god. <laughs> I don't I this came on Two B TV, and I hadn't watched it in like a decade and my friend was over and i described the plot and she's like oh we must watch this and we sat through the whole thing and it's pure garbage beauty wonderfulness um possession scenes after po- possession scene after possession scene Lucinda Dickey acting her ass off only the way she can again being nice uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but, the, but the, what I'm going to play us out after we say thank you to everybody is the ninja exorcism scene, All I cut it down from five minutes. I cut it down to two and a half minutes. And the sound design, that's who I want to give the award to is the sound design guy who came up with all these little crazy voices and sounds that come out of Lucinda Dickey's mouth. Because at the end of the film, um, they try to get – the uh ninja spirit out of her once and for all and uh she ends up with the whoop 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 you hear is like um do you remember the movie jimkata oh yes she does some jimkata moves and uh, uh, well the spirit is possessing her <laughs> she, uh-huh. they try and tie her up and her body starts spinning and <laughs> it's impressive <laughs> she looks oh. like she's in the olympics it's pretty cool um have you seen this one ever, Ninja 3, The Domination? I have
4: not seen this, um, oh. and you know why? Because Lucinda Dickey. Um, I've seen the other uh, movies in the Ninja series with uh, Shou, uh Kosugi, but this is the one that I've been holding off because I, I knew, I mean, I've I've heard how amazingly – weird and awesome this movie is and that i would like it but for some reason i'm still uh okay i i let her get away with like being a break dancer but am i ready to let her get away with being a ninja
3: i don't know i'm not ready yet yeah you you, you gotta be you gotta prepare yourself but and especially believe that she's a um that she's a uh uh telephone repair person. (laughs) Oh, and then there's that too. (laughs) Oh. I'm like, who comes up to this part? Okay, here we go. She's a telephone repair person, just happens to be around when the ninja's fighting, a bunch of people at a golf course. Um, sure. (laughs) She gets possessed. And then she goes through life going, Oh, why am I getting possessed? What the hell's inside of me? And I'm making demonic noises. Like you know, fat people make flatulence. What's happening? You know,
1: it's like, I'm a ninja. Hell? What?
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this one's a piece of art. Anyway, I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode and enjoying our canon films with us again. Go to us on Instagram at at six degrees of retro uh, video vixen. Plug your appearance.
4: Yes. Uh... Guys and girls, I'm gonna be at the Hollywood Theater here in Portland, Oregon on March the twenty seventh. I will be uh introducing Sugar Hill, this awesome black exploitation horror film from the seventies. Please come join me, say hello, it's gonna be fun, and I hope to see you there.
3: Awesome, yes, yes, yes. I'm still trying to hook up a ticket to do a do a um stop and drop and run back <laughs> if I can Well, uh,
4: yeah, you got to come out. I, I hope I can see you.
3: I'm trying. I'm trying. Um, uh, so uh, thank you, everybody, for listening, and uh, I am going to uh, – oh, we also started a Facebook group. Go to the Facebook group, uh, Six Degrees of Retro. That's how on Facebook, Galati, you got this invite to listen, and I thank you very much for joining our group, and – That way you can uh, know what time um, our shows are going to be live and you can listen in. And uh, otherwise, you can also know when they're going to be posted and you can listen to streaming in your car while you're going to work and uh, laugh your ass off at fine canon films like this. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, uh, Trista, for another wonderful show. Thank you, too. All right. Let's listen to some exorcisming,
1: shall we? I think so. Please answer now. Is he in you? Yes. He is, and he wants you to stop. Who are you? Younger than. Ah, whoa, the uh, red dot. If you don't get that, I'm going to stop. Oh, <laughs> Baby, we better stop! No, you finish it. Get rid of this
0: bitch. I, I don't know what is wrong! Jacob, where is it? I got it. You know, what are
2: you
0: doing? I must obey the spirit. He wishes me to cut the rope. Please forgive him. The fool does not know what a terrible mistake he's making. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
5: No,